Well, it is good to be back with you all after a couple weeks of uh, vacation out in the mountains of New Mexico and Colorado. Uh, it was delightfully chilly. I wore sweatshirts and jackets every day. And uh, my wife did try to kill me by hiking me up and down the mountains, but I survived. Uh, so it was just a wonderful couple. It's always great to come back home, though. Um, while I was out there, I was reading some magazines, and there was one that had an interesting uh, little uh, comparison of United States 1950 versus 2010. So it was just a few years ago. But it had some interesting observations. You know, in, in 1950, the average square footage of the American home was only 1,200 square feet. In 2010, it was almost double, 2,350 square feet, almost double. In 1950, the average restaurant hamburger was four ounces. In 2010, the average restaurant hamburger was 12 ounces. In 1950, less than 2% of American households had three or more automobiles. In 2010, 26% had three or more automobiles. In, two, in uh, 1950, there were nine megachurches in the United States. In 2010, there were over 1,200 megachurches. And the list goes on and on, but you get the point. To me, it points out that that we as Americans have completely bought into the idea that bigger is better. And don't look surprised, you're Texans. <laughs> I mean, that's our unofficial state motto, right? Everything in Texas is bigger, right? Kind of like the, the two Texas ranchers who were bragging to each other about the size of their spread. And the one rancher said, you know, when I get in my truck at 6 in the morning, I can drive all day and still not reach the end of my ranch. And the other rancher said, yeah, you know, I once had a truck like that. <laughs> we tend to believe that bigger is better. But here's the thing. That's not necessarily the way that works in the kingdom of God. Now, all summer long, we have been exploring the kingdom of God because, frankly, that was Jesus' favorite thing to talk about. Of all the issues, of everything under the sun, that's the thing he talked about the most, the kingdom of God. So we have been spending the summer exploring what did Jesus mean when he talked about the kingdom of God. And today, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about this idea that bigger is better. I invite you to read along with me. Uh, our scripture reading today comes from the gospel according to Luke from the 13th chapter. These are two parables Jesus tells about the kingdom of God. Let us listen for God's word to us this day. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. 
My friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks. You always bless us in the reading and in the hearing of your sacred word. May it find its home in our hearts. Lord, I pray your spirit would rest upon me, guiding my thoughts, removing from my lips any words but your own, that with faithfulness and with integrity I may proclaim the wonderful good news of your redeeming love. Amen. What is the kingdom of God like? Jesus points out some of the smallest things he could think. A mustard seed. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? Minuscule. And yet it grows into the, a large, it, it, it's probably exaggerating to call it a tree, but it's a large shrub. Leaven. For those of you who bake, you know what a little bit of leaven can do. If it's cared for and nurtured, uh, uh, sourdough starter, that little leaven, has been known to last generation after generation after generation, feeding multitudes of people. These are examples that Jesus picks out of, of not big things, but of small things that have a big effect. What do we learn from these parables? Well, we learn that in the kingdom of God, Quality trumps quantity. A couple weeks ago, I was worshiping on Sunday morning at this great little church, First Presbyterian Church of Taos, New Mexico. Anybody been there? You know that? A couple of you have been there. Great church in Taos. We just happened upon it, and it was 1030. We said, well, let's go to worship. Well, great church. It's a a traditional adobe-style church. Uh, they don't have a fancy organ. They've just got a little piano in the corner. They don't even have air conditioning in the building, okay? They just open the clear story windows and let a little bit of breeze blow. The choir was not on vacation because they don't have a choir. Um, but they had this woman who sang this beautiful solo. She was also the child care worker for the day. Um, the, the, I've never been to a congregation that sang with more gusto and, and more enthusiasm than this congregation. They had genuine desire. And the thing is, it's only about a 100-member church, but there were over 60 people in worship that day. Now, mind you that the average Protestant church gets about 30 to 40% of its congregation in worship on any given Sunday. And at the end of July, it's about 25 to 30%. And there they were with over 60% filled. It was amazing. They were so warm and loving. When we got up to leave after the service, we were just going to cut out and, and get on. And this Sunday, they were having root beer floats. And wh- when we said that we didn't have time, you could just see they were so disappointed. And they thought, oh, you can't stay for And Okay, we'll stay. we just couldn't, couldn't break their hearts. So we stayed for a root beer float. They were just wonderful people. They have a prayer labyrinth, and they didn't stick it back in some fancy garden. They put it in their front yard. It's right, it's on a busy street there. They put it in the front yard right by the sidewalk so that anybody going up and down the street could just stop in and use the prayer labyrinth. And they said they get a half dozen people or so a day, especially at lunchtime, who come out and walk the prayer labyrinth. They have a vegetable garden in the back where they're growing all these wonderful vegetables to be given out at the food pantry. I mean, this is a church that is just alive with the Spirit of God. It's just palpable in this place. And yet to look at it, you would see that tiny church, that old building. 
This is a church that reaps far beyond what it has sown. It is an amazing place where they truly understand that quality trumps quantity. Of such is the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, it's not necessarily the big stuff that is the most important. We tend to get caught up and, 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 and we, we get excited by what the, the current lingo is, um, um, movements of scale, which is just a fancy way of saying big events, big rollout, big production, lots of crowds. It's a big deal. You know, we, uh, we like to, to go to, to events where the stadiums are full, and the bigger the stadium, the better. We like to have big rallies. We like to have a lot of people committed. We, we march a million men on Washington. But see, in the kingdom of God, it's not like that. In the kingdom of God, the little things count just as much, perhaps even more. In the kingdom of God, the... the the earnest, sincere prayers of a single heart are just as important as any million men marching on Washington. Because it's not the quantity, it's the quality that matters. It's the little things, the things that are so often underestimated and overlooked and, 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 and just totally inconspicuous to our culture that we find the leaven of God at work. Some of you may be World War II history buffs. James Johnson has written a book about World War II where he compares the D-Day invasion with the Battle of the Bulge. Now, understand the Battle of the Bulge was the last great Nazi offensive. It was the, the last hurrah. We call it the Battle of the Bulge. The Nazis called it Operation Christ Rose. It was going to be the resurrection and so there was their last attempt to drive the Allies back to the beaches. Well, he compares these two battles. And D-Day, as we know, was the largest single military operation in the history of the world. This operation had been planned and strategized and rehearsed and prepared for for months and months and months. They had never put so much effort into such a large-scale military operation as the D-Day invasion. The Battle of the Bulge, on the other hand, had none of that. The Allies were pretty much caught off guard. And so they had no strategy. They had no plan. Instead, they took every able-bodied soldier and threw them up on the front line. There was no plan. Just go. Fight. And so all these men went up there, and Johnson says in the Battle of the Bulge, the amazing thing was that while there was a lack of a big-scale coordination or planning, the battle was won by the efforts of individual soldiers, of small um, uh, platoons and companies of soldiers who fought valiantly at, at unknown road crossings and at, at unnamed bridges. No one had a plan for where they were supposed to be or what they were supposed to do. Just get out there and give it your all. And it was the individual effort of these, in, of these soldiers, of these, of these small platoons and companies that turned the tide. The kingdom of God is something like that. 
while it's a lot of fun and very exciting and cool to be part of, of movements of scale, what matters more in the kingdom of God are those, those singular events, those individual efforts, those small groups, those things that, that the world would say are inconsequential and inconspicuous. We hardly even notice them. They're underestimated and undervalued, but of such is the kingdom of God. It's the little things that make the difference. It's that, it's that extra effort to pay somebody a compliment. It's taking the time to be a friend to someone who needs a friend. It's, it's taking more than your share of the load. It's offering forgiveness even before it's been requested. It's the little thing. What did Micah say? The prophet said, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Of such is the kingdom of God. Don't ever underestimate how God works through individuals, through small acts of kindness and mercy and grace. These, these things that have inconsequential beginnings have eternal significance in their results. Pay attention to the little things. It's the little things that build up the kingdom, but it's also the little things that can drag us down. Few people are undone by big sin. Rather, it's those little things that we don't think that matter so much that also have a way of undoing us. We have to pay attention. It's kind of like the, the, the woman who, in her distraught, with tears in her eyes, knocked on her neighbor's door and said, I, I'm so sorry, but I'm afraid my Pekingese has just killed your pit bull. <laughs> and the neighbor was, 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 was horrified. said, what, what, you're... How did your Pekingese kill my pit bull? And she said, well, I'm afraid she got stuck in its throat. <laughs> it's the little things that undo us. But of such is the kingdom of God. Friends, we all want to be part of the big parade, the big movement, the big event. But I tell you, God will be found more often in those daily occurrences of kindness of love and compassion and forgiveness. This is where God does his best work. You know, Nazareth, it was a tiny little, you know, stop along the road. Bethlehem wasn't much, much bigger. Calvary didn't even show up on the street maps of Jerusalem. Jesus was raised by a humble carpenter family. His friends were fishermen and tax collectors. He hung out with women and children and misfits and outcasts and castaways. When he died, barely a handful of people noticed or mourned. And yet it was through these insignificant lives and these insignificant events that God unveiled his plan for the redemption and the transformation of all of creation. It wasn't a big roll of thunder. It was the cry of a baby's voice. The kingdom of God comes in the small, unexpected, often 
unnoticed events of our lives, unnoticed except for those with eyes to see. Amen.